Knoxville Game Design November 2018 Game Maker Tips with Joe, Macy, and Levi. Welcome everyone to Knoxville Game Design for November 2018. We are developers in the Knoxville and East Tennessee area. We get together once a month to show off our game projects and talk about topics in the games industry. Uh, this month we have Joe Miller from Double Square LLC, creators of games such as Kufi's Delivery Service on Steam. Hello. And we have a new person joining us this month. It's Macy. Macy Pierce from native to Knoxville. Okay. Yes, so you were telling us a little bit earlier that uh, you just graduated from college. You're moving back to Knoxville. Uh, uh, have you done much with gaming? I, I think in the email that you sent me, uh, you said that uh, your degree is actually in gaming, right? That's right. I'm a, I have a degree in game design and psychology. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like exoteric things. <laughs> yeah, game design is awesome. Yeah, well, a little bit about our group. Uh, I think this group started, Mike Neal started this group uh, about five or six years. I think, I don't know, maybe it's like eight years ago in 2010, I think. Uh, we used to get together in person at the tech co-op and kind of the interest level in the group kind of waned down so much that it's just like two or three of us. Mike moved on to do other things. So we decided, hey, let's just get get together online. It makes things a lot easier for us because like Joe's in Morristown, I'm in Oak Ridge, Dylan's in Lenore City, and just driving over to uh, downtown Knoxville. I don't know. It's just kind of inconvenient. But we do get together like two or three times a year. Um, usually for, uh, there's a big game jam called Ludum Dare and they do kickoffs, uh, or we do kickoff events for the theme announcement. Now we don't get together and work on projects with each other, but, uh, we do get together for the theme announcement and just give our ideas about the theme. So we actually have one of those coming up, uh, at the end of this month. Um, it's on, oh, let me share up my screen, share screen. Yeah, Ludum Dare 43. Cool. Uh, yeah, it'll be on November 30th. So if you want to come out and join us, we should have a pretty good time. This time we're going to meet at uh, Panera Bread, I believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on uh, North Peters Road in Knoxville. Uh, we had gotten together at, um, at Token Game Tavern, but there's just so much noise there and a little bit inconvenient. We like the atmosphere, there's like games and everything there, but uh, uh, it's just a little bit easier to like talk <laughs> at Panera Bread. So, that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, so that'll be, uh, I think about three weeks away, Friday night, November 30th, we usually get together like 7 p.m. and the theme announcement is 7 p, or no, 9 p.m. So usually after 9 p.m., we should talk for a couple of minutes and head out after that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah, feel free to join us. Anyone out th else out there in Knoxville inter area interested in uh, doing Ludum Dari or just want to come out and meet us? Yeah, no, we'll be there. Okay, so go ahead and get into it. Uh, so, Joe, you did GM48 uh, this time? I tried. I didn't, <laughs> uh, didn't quite finish. 
But I, I submitted what I made anyway. There's no sound, no music, uh, and then only about a third of the content that I was trying to get done. I was the same way. I had some plans to go see a wrestling match in Nashville on that Sunday. So I had to do like everything on Saturday. And I just had a very simplistic game with no sound or audio or anything like that. Yeah, my uh, my internet was out all that weekend too. Just the ISP here had gone out. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to drive into work with the, my game on a thumb drive at, just to submit it during. Oh, Jay, you just went out. I can't hear your audio. Is it? Oh, there you go. Yep. Okay. Uh, I was just saying I had to drive into work to even be able to submit it on Sunday night. Oh, wow. Which was, so I had to stop working early to like factor in some time to go do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just, I don't know. I, it was a it was a bold idea. I was trying to do a bunch of mini games that had a bigger meta game going on and stuff just didn't fall into place like I thought it would with the mini games. Yeah, do you have anything you want to show off, or I got? Uh not really. I mean, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I brought it up here. Well, mine okay. was bad too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I didn't uh, even get a rating this time. I didn't even like go out and rate anybody else. But yeah, I, I think you have a good start here. So you have yeah, like I think the, it was like next to last place or somewhere down there in the bottom ten percent. Hey, I've busted my butt for GM48 and still end up like last place. So. Yeah. <laughs> no shame in that. But yeah, I like you had a good start on the mini games. Like I like where you can like click all the little uh, boxes or shapes and everything. Then you had some that got bigger and smaller as they went on. Yeah. So they're supposed to be for different the stats like accuracy. So it was supposed to be an accuracy mini game and speed was a speed mini game. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a good idea for what to do for like strength and defense. So yeah, I don't know. I just was hoping it would kind of come together as the weekend went on and it, it didn't. I think it's definitely a good start. And uh, yeah, like how you had the calendar there where you had like, you could have special events pop up or battles or I'm, I'm thinking kind of like Pokemon or type. Yeah. Thing I was, was going to do some kind of rock, paper, scissors, thing that also incorporated your stats but i didn't uh get that in either yeah you've been working on anything else the the art the rpg the <laughs> uh not really that's uh i want to and i i mean to and i'll sit down for some time and i i just i haven't been working on it steady so it's kind of keep getting lost in my own code like what i was working on yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I saw you I, tweeted that you finished Dragon Quest Eight or no Dragon Quest what are the, Eleven. <laughs> yeah, I did finish that, and I've been pl- I was playing on the hard mode, so that that was kind of how I've been spending my free time. That's uh, when I I should be devving, but <laughs> hey, we all need a break from game development and yeah. get to like go out and play other games and see what else is out there. Yeah, I started Dragon Quest Eight or Eleven, and I still haven't gotten back to it yet. It's a great game. I like the art style and and the game. It doesn't play. end. The even finishing the boss and getting the credit crawl. Yeah, that's not it. There's a huge post game. That's all kinds of stuff. I don't. I don't. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to try to platinum it or. Just leave it. 
Dragon Quest games are just always so long. I remember I was playing Dragon Quest VIII back in 2006 and got like 60 hours into it. Then I looked online and was like, oh, this takes 90 hours to finish. And I'm I'm like 150 hours. Wow. Yeah, I remember as a kid I played Dragon Warrior, which was the American version of Dragon Quest, and it was like 20, 30 hours long. I was like, wow, this is the longest game ever. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I like to kind of analyze when I'm playing too, like their level system and and the amount of XP it takes to do things, and then the uh, the the kind of the breakpoints with the stats as they go up with the character levels. Because Dragon Quest keeps it pretty in check. Um, a lot of other RPGs, you you break free and you end up into the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands for stuff, and even at you know, level 60, level 70 in Dragon Quest, you're still only in the hundreds of damage. Oh, okay. Uh, like three, 400 is a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting to see how they level the monsters and the players simultaneously, but still give the player the feeling of powering up. Um, even though all the, all the numbers are getting higher, but there's still not a lot of actual progression, but you can still feel it when you go back to an earlier level. So I think Dragon Quest is one of the games that have really fine-tuned their formula for how their numbers increase, and uh, I I do like watching that and trying to guess like what what the HP is going to go up to at the next level or oh what yeah the, yeah there is an art and a lot of design that goes into making leveling systems. I, I did my mm-hmm. sim- little simple RPG for Xbox 360 TTY GFX Adventure, and I had a spreadsheet set up and. Eventually, I just like made formulas. It's like, okay, this level is this plus this percent plus this, and then I ba- based all the enemies' HPs off that, and things like that. But it only had ten levels, so I can imagine yeah. when you get like ninety levels, I mean, it can get pretty complex there because you don't want to make it where you're so overpowered, and you you don't want to make it where people can just grind enemies and level yeah. up that way. Very cool. Uh, so my game was Zeko no Tomodachi. Uh, I think that means perfect friends or perfect friend. Uh, that's what I'm claiming that it means. Uh, share screen. Okay. And my the original version that I had was pretty plain. You have your little blob friend here, and you basically just sh- power up your blob. He eats these little capsules. And red capsules make them shoot more. Yellow makes them move faster. And blue uh, makes them shoot faster. So red increases shot count. So basically just walk through and uh, try to make it to the end where there's a flag. So very simple. I didn't like read enough games, so I got disqualified. But I did. I have been working on this quite a bit for a post-compo version. Um, so I actually got like the Zelda-style scrolling working in game maker which took a little bit okay. of time um i just have like one big game world then i just scroll the camera from like room to room um so i made it where uh yeah you can scroll up or down added lots of different types of enemies before i had just like the spider enemies but now i have like two levels of spiders the blue spiders take uh two hits to defeat um and I got little groundhog enemies. I got these little uh, grasshoppers, kind of like the tech tykes in Legend of Zelda. So they kind of hop around and use the sign function to uh, do the jumping motion right there. 
Um, also, I added like a little caterpillar enemy, kind of like in Millipede. He kind of bounces back and forth and goes around the room. I think there was an enemy like that in Zelda 2 at the very end. And then the fly enemies, this is kind of like the boo chains or the boo circles in Super Mario Brothers. They just kind of loop around in circles. I'm thinking about having multiple different types of these guys do different looping uh, features, like make them loop, get bigger and smaller or move around, things like that. So, yeah, I've been kind of getting into Game Maker. really haven't uh, done uh, a lot of Game Maker. I mean, like a full-fledged game or anything. Um, and one other one that I participated in, it was the Zero H Game Jam. This is a game jam that takes place from 2 a.m. to 2 a.m. during the time <laughs> change. I've done this quite quite a few times now, but they were thinking this was going to be the final one because the guy that runs this is somewhere in Europe. And they were talking about like taking away the time change in Europe. So I was like, oh, it's going to be the final one, but apparently not. I don't know, but uh, I made a simple, like, Simon clone. I think I have that right here. So it really tests you to see what you can actually churn out in an hour. Uh, so I did, like, a simple uh, four, four panels right here. So you just basically got to click in the same sequence. Um, but if you do the wrong sequence, it doesn't tell you that you're wrong yet. But <laughs> this is something I may want to continue on later. Not even sure that I would have a compilable project in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, with the tools we have these days, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I, empty room. Yeah, yeah. It really forces you, like, when you get down to the last 10 minutes, it's like, oh, do I want to add sound or want to, like, fix this or that? So, pretty fun stuff there. Um, yeah. So, uh, Macy, have you been working on anything? <laughs> uh, tentatively? Uh, mostly just I've been trying to mess around with tabletops, and none of that's anything I'm really comfortable with showing right now. Okay. But... Yeah, kinda. Yeah. I'm mostly focusing on trying to get get a part time job right now, so I can not worry about student debt. But oh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. work at it by bit. Yeah, I know Dylan Wolf. He's usually on. He wasn't able to make it this month. He's really into tabletop gaming. So maybe next time he's on, maybe you two can talk about tabletop gaming things like that. Uh, I know they have a, like a really good scene around here in the Knoxville area for tabletop gaming. Uh, I really haven't been into it. <laughs> I've always just been like a single single player by myself video game type guy. But uh, yeah, very cool. Um, so this month's topic is going to be uh, Game Maker Tips. So yeah, I was kind of hoping that uh, Jacob would be on because I know he does a lot of Game Maker too. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do an official presentation or anything like that. Um, I just have my notes, which I can share out here. And I was thinking about just kind of like walking through my project right here. Um, so the first thing is the Game Maker API documentation. Before you start in Game Maker, um, they have two different uh, ways you can quote unquote program in Game Maker. The first is like the drag and drop interface where you can drag actions and and do things visually. And then the second way is the GML language. And that's more like your traditional programming language. 
Um, I, I want to say it's like Ruby, Python, all those Perl and everything else. I can actually uh, click on one of my objects here, like my player. And I typically work in the step method right here. It's where this gets called every frame. So this is the GML language right here. Uh, where you can do all your logic programming. So this lets you have a lot more control than the drag and drop interface. But uh, before you start out, you want to know what's in the API. And one complaint that I have about GameMaker is this obscure URL for the documentation. Uh, so the, the API is at docs.yoyogames.com source daddyo spies 002 underscore reference index.html <laughs> it's it's inside of game maker too oh is it really yeah you can uh is it middle, under click, middle click on something middle click like on a function yeah oh oh very cool then you have the table of contents over there on the side awesome that's I what i use I did not know, but this would have saved me so much time. <laughs> I use the online one when I'm at like work or somewhere else, and I'm trying to just look up how something works, and I'm yeah. not actually in Game Maker. Yeah, if you have Game Maker open, then you can use that built-in one. That's that, that's why I wanted to do Game Maker this month. I knew I was going to learn <laughs> a lot. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, you got it built in there, or you can go online too. Very cool. Um, so let's go back. So in order, so one of the first things that you want to learn how to do is like you can drag your objects, objects are kind of like game objects in, in Unity or Actors in Unreal Engine or whatever Gudo has. Um, but yeah, you can drag those objects directly into your scene. But if you want to have a lot more control, you can instantiate the objects yourself. So you just say, and this is specific for GameMaker 2. If you're on GameMaker 1, a little bit different. GameMaker 2, you do instance create layer. So you just specify the X and Y positions and you tell it the layer name. So your layers are, uh, where'd my GameMaker go? So you got different layers you can create. I just have three here, one for instances, one for walls, and one for the background. Background you can't actually drag objects into. Um, but yeah, I did find out once you get so many items, so many objects on your scene, it does start to slow down. So it really likes you to do things in separate rooms. But if you're doing things in separate rooms, you can't really do the scrolling effectively. So I'm going to have to figure out some way around that. But yeah, I have uh, in this screen right here, I think it's uh, four rows of rooms by 10 columns of rooms. And yeah, it gets really slow dragging and dropping now. But anyway, so you can use this instance create layer, give it this layer name such as instances or walls, and then you just specify whatever object you want to instantiate. I think in GameMaker 1, you don't have to specify the layer name. You just do instance create, I believe. Um, because I think GameMaker 1 doesn't have the concept of layers. So yeah, once you have all your objects uh, instantiated, if you want to loop through all your all the objects of a certain type, uh, here's some code that you can do it. You just create a for loop. I just use i as the iterator, and you do i is less than 
instance number of object image. So that counts uh, the number of instances of this object type. So I'm just using object enemy as an example here. And then you just do, instead of most programming languages, you do I++. Uh, GameMaker doesn't have a concept of plus plus or minus minus to increment or decrement. So you just do add and assign one. And then you can just reference these uh, by using instance find and you specify the object type and I. Now I, I don't know uh, what the impact is on running time of using instance find. There may be a more eloquent version way of doing this. I'm not sure. Um, but one thing I did find out was I was trying to delete, like when I was doing my room scrolling, I was trying to delete all of the objects on a room in a room that have been instantiated. And I was trying to do the loop and it's messing up because it's deleting things as I was iterating through it. But if you want to destroy all objects of a certain type, you just use instance destroy then the object type that you want to destroy. So you don't have to write a loop to do that. It'll handle that for you. Um, one neat trick in GameMaker is uh, called parenting. So that's why I was talking about this game. I have like different types of spiders. I got like a blue spider, a red spider, and a gray spider. And they all, all have different properties and AI properties. But I created one like overall spider object. And that handles all the base uh, logic for the spider such as how does it move, and the speed, and what happens when it collides with the player, what happens when it collides with the wall. So then when I have these other instances of spiders, it just inherits all that. And you do that by clicking on the object, and you have, you just click on parent right here, and then you can click on the three little dots, and you can pick the parent uh, from any of the objects that you have defined right there. But sometimes you want a child object to do something slightly different than the parent object. So like the gray spider, this is a spider that just doesn't move. He's kind of just like blocks to player's progress. So what you can do is you can override that method. I think you just click on it here and you just override event. But the one thing you got to watch out for is that this completely overrides um, what is defined as the parent's behavior, like the base object spider uh, object. So what you want to do, I think I have it, do I have it defined here? There's a method, which I have in the notes somewhere. Yeah, you use <clears throat> event inherited. I think this is like calling super in Java. I don't know what the equivalent is in C sharp. I think it's like base or something like that. But this will basically call all of the um, code that's in the parent object. Um, so if you want to override the parent's method or event, but still call that code, then you use event inherited. Um, very important that you do that if you want to use the parent's code. Um, one good... Uh, thing one good method that I use quite a bit is distance to object like in this game that I created I have the blob and then if the blob is close enough to an enemy then he'll go attack him uh, you can use distance object and just pull in just uh, pass in the other object that you want to uh, find the distance to and that'll return that value 
And I'm not sure if this is just GameMaker 2 or GameMaker 1, but it already has built-in uh, properties for setting the horizontal and vertical speed. So if you want something to move, you just call it, you just set H speed to like 10 or some arbitrary value, and that'll get the your object moving in that direction. Same for uh, the horizontal speed. Um, you can always like write your own like methods for moving things, but I think that's pretty handy right there. Uh, one thing that I run into quite a bit is I need to flip an image, flip the uh, sprites image. So to do that, like I have the blob right here, and if he's moving to the right, I want him facing right. If I want him moving left, then I want him facing left. And there's a method that you can call, <clears throat> or a property called image x scale. And that will basically just do a horizontal flip of that sprite. Now, the one thing you got to watch out for is where the uh, origin for that sprite is located. So if I go up to sprites and look at the blob right here, you can specify the origin right here, like bottom center, top left, middle. So when I flip this thing, it's going to flip it on this origin. So I have it set right here at the bottom of the sprite right there. So then it will flip this base there. But if you have it set like way over here on the right, then it's going to flip it there. Then you're going to notice some movement when the sky is flipped. So I'm going to set this back to bottom center. Um, but yeah, if you actually want to control the drawing of your sprite, you do that in the draw method. I think I have this later in my notes, but you do draw sprite ext, and that gives you some control and how you draw the sprite and how it flips and things like that. So I guess you have like two different methods for flipping the sprite. Like right here, I have this commented out. Image x scale is negative one. So that's going to flip it, but I think you can also flip it using draw sprite ext. But if you're going to do it this way, it has to be in the draw event. Um, one thing that I found out there. Um, if you want to change which sprite, so like in this game, I have the sprite. He has like a different facial expression for the blob whenever he's got aggro and about to attack some something. Uh, I think this is kind of missing a misnomer right here. It's called sprite index and you just set that to the sprite name that you want to use. Um, so I think I have that here in my step method right here. Mm. Yeah, sprite index. So if he is aggroed, then we're gonna set the sprite index to spur blob aggro. Otherwise, he's just gonna be the regular one. And the, this is a part of the sprites that you've defined up here. So I have my sprite blob aggro right there so he's kind of angry and just the regular sprite right there so pretty simple way to change sprites right there and oh so if you're trying to determine if like i have uh that uh, blob target in my game to determine what my uh companion there is attacking uh there's no, there's a concept of null in GameMaker, it's called undefined. If you try to use null, it won't work. And to test whether something is null, you use is underscore undefined. That will tell you if that object is defined or not. Um, another thing that I've used in a few of my GameMaker games uh, is drawing shapes. Just to draw a simple circle, you call draw circle. Again, this has to be 
in the draw method, draw event. So in this game, I have like an aggro circle object um, da, 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 somewhere in here. Enemy bullet, camera controller. Yeah, I don't see it right now. But yeah, you do have to define that in the draw method in order to get the draw methods to work. Uh, I think I also have it actually in my the HUD right here. Let's see if it's in here. Yeah, it has draw GUI. So draw GUI is a little bit different. That's for drawing um, like text and things like that to the screen. I wish I could find this. Oh, object fill of vision. There we go. Uh, so yeah, it has a draw method and it it's draw method. Then you set the alpha. That's how much transparency you have. You can set the color of what you're about to draw, and then you can say draw a circle. And they'll just draw a simple circle at the X and Y position that you specify. Now, I'm not sure if that's the center of the circle or the upper left-hand corner, um, but then you can specify. I think this is for whether it's filled or just an outline of a circle. Then you always want to set the alpha back. I always set alpha back to 1 just in case I am going to draw something else. It'll already be set for me right there. And you also have like this concept of depth uh, that specifies which objects are are drawn in front of other objects. Um, so like if my player is like in front of something that I want to draw it after I draw the thing behind. So you can control that with the depth property. Uh, yeah, so I just talked about that. Yeah, you can also manually draw the sprite that I was talking about earlier using that draw sprite ext but if you don't draw the sprite yourself then and you define this then it's not going to draw anything at all so so I talked about parenting uh, distance so if you're trying to call like a method like one of the predefined methods on another object from an object uh, you can use the with keyword. So if I like, say I want to uh, set the position of an enemy um, that may be collided with the player uh, from the player object, you have to use the with keyword. So then, you, so you can just say with the enemy. Then you can use uh, any of the predefined methods uh, on that enemy. Yeah, so all these, so distance to object, object blob. This is going to be called from this enemy uh, within whatever thing that's calling it. So sometimes it's a little bit tricky if you're not uh, not used to programming that way. I have a, a, a thing that can help with that too. Oh, really? When you're, when you're with inside of another object, when you're calling an object, yeah, you can still refer back to the properties of the object with the other keyword oh okay uh other dot whatever so it's like if my player collided with an enemy and then i could just say other then like use other dot x minus equals five or something uh would make the it would go back to the player so the code is still within the player but then you're saying with the enemy so now you're executing code inside of the enemy's object yeah. When you say other dot x, it would go back to the player. Oh, okay. I didn't know you could do that. So it yeah. goes back to the one that's calling that. Okay, I got yes. you. 
Yeah. Okay. It took me a while. Oh, you just cut out. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> We're talking. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> okay, let's go back here. Yeah, so apparently, so like if I wanted to call the player, then say other blah, blah, blah right there. Yeah. Um, I already talked about setting the sprite origin. Oh, yeah, setting the origin is also important if you're trying to rotate an item. So I created like a, it's kind of like a heart container in Zelda. Uh, I call it health container. It adds one to your maximum health right here. So I think it's, the screen. Oh, you, oh, I forgot to reshare. Okay. Yeah. Share screen. Share. Okay. Go back. Yeah, so I got this uh, like health container, and I want this thing to spin. Uh, so basically, in the create, and it's also important, like if you're referencing a property or a variable that you like define it before referencing it, it will scream at you, <laughs> and it screams <laughs> at you at runtime, not at compile time. Yeah, I'll just like pop up. Oh, something happened, but it's usually pretty good telling you what line you're having problems on. So. Very important in the create event to set rotation to zero. Then in step, I just add 12 to the rotation just to give it a little bit of a spin. <clears throat> I think this is, so this will ro rotate, I believe, 12 degrees for every frame. And I think it's locked to 30 frames a second. There may be ways to change that. I don't know. Um, and then I do a little bit of checking just to keep the numbers from getting crazy. Um, if it's greater than 360, then I just subtract off 360 uh, to keep it within that range. And then to rotate it, you just set image angle to that rotation right there. And that'll make this spin. I don't have that set up uh, right now. I think it might have been in that previous video that I showed, which I may have already closed. But yeah, it just basically makes it spin. But it is important in the sprite come on sprite go back up to the sprite health container to set that origin to the center right there and yeah if you got a sprite like this at 64 by 64 then you can't get the exact center pixel <laughs> so i may want to like make this one pixel smaller so i can get the tree center because you can notice a little bit of wobble this way but uh, this is close enough and people probably wouldn't notice. But if the origin was like set to this bottom right hand corner, then it's going to start like going around in circles and that won't look good. <laughs> um, yeah, make sure if you're doing, if you're swapping out. So like my player has two different animations. He has like a standing, which is just one frame just him standing like that then he has a walking animation you can play that like that and I think he just has two but uh, it is important to keep the origins uh, at the same spot try to keep the sprites the same size the same origins if you don't do that then like when you walk into a wall and the sprite changes weird things happen if you don't have like the sprites and also the collision mask Make sure the collision masks are the same if you're swapping between. I mean, I guess if you're, you're a game maker expert, then you could like handle those cases when the 
collision masks are different and the sprite changes, but I just keep them all the same. It makes life a whole lot easier. <laughs> um, so I talked about drawing the options for drawing sprites. Uh, there's actually a pretty good reference in the documentation right here. And I'll pop this open. So everything you want to know about drawing a sprite is right here. You can draw them like stretched, squished, rotated, different colors, different transparencies, and all this. So yeah, you don't get this by default when you drag your object or instantiate your object. But if you go into that sprites draw method, then you can get pretty, uh, you know, have pretty good control over what you can do with those sprites. One thing I was going to look into is like how to actually do like lighting. I think that's possible in Game Maker. I just haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, I can use shaders or you know fake the, alpha lighting. Is there like you a, just use triangles and circles and make them alpha? You just set the alpha value of the of the. Yeah, like a, just like a white or yellowish triangle or circle. Usually stick to primitives just for compute time, but yeah, yeah, you can layer them on top of each other with like. 70% oh. alpha, 50% alpha, 30% alpha. Is there like a union that you can do like between a primitive and your sprite to only make that cover like your sprite or I don't know. I'm gonna have In to look Game into Maker? That. I know there's a a third party program like Sprite Lamp. Sprite Lamp? Yeah. Cuz I know I've seen some pretty cool lighting effects that people have done like for GM48 games. I'm like how in mm -hmm. the world did they do that? <laughs> Probably shaders. Those are the easier way to do it. I'm definitely going to have to look into that. Um, okay, so string concatenation. This always messes me up. Um, so yeah, if you got two strings, like I'm, I want to draw or I want to display, it's in my HUD right here. Object HUD and the draw GUI. So I want to like put like display the player's health just as a string or their power or something. So you can use a plus like most other languages. I know some languages like use double dots and things like that. But if you try to concatenate, and concatenate just means taking st two strings, putting them together to create a new string. Um, if you try to do that with a, a number value, um, then it's going to yell at you. Most languages will automatically convert that for you like convert the number to a string, concatenate together. But in GameMaker, you actually got to explicitly say string, open paren, your number value, close paren. And that way you can concatenate together. Um, drawing text, already talked about that. You can set the color, withdraw color. So it's kind of like a Java AWT. Um, you can actually create a new color, just say make underscore color underscore RGB, and you specify the RGB values. You may, it may have HSV values too, um, I'm not sure. And you can set the font, font's just defined over here in your like object, or not object, but your little uh, resources tab over here. and pretty simple you can just select i think it's got to be a system font it's got to be installed into your system but uh you create your font right here 
I know in Unity, you can actually just give it the location of a font file, which is kind of nice because it doesn't have to be installed into the system. But this is cool too. And you specify the size and properties like boldness and italic and all that good stuff and color and things like that. But yeah, then in your game maker code, GML code, you can just say set font or let's see here, object HUD. You call draw set font, then specify, specify that font that you want to use to use that font. And then here I have where I'm setting the color to black and then drawing the text, then setting the color to like red, then drawing it again. When I draw it black, I do it as slide offset. So that gives it a shadow effect. Um, one thing that I wish GameMaker did was like the concept of functions. There are user or like user functions that you can call. And I think you can also have scripts, which I haven't used much, but those are kind of like global scripts. So I probably could have a global script for like drawing shadow text and pass in your text and whatever color you want to use and get rid of all this duplication right here because that starts to get unmanageable after a while. Uh, yeah. So playing music, uh, you define music the same way. Uh, it doesn't have a, uh, a different concept of like music and sound. It's just all sounds, but I usually use convention music and then whatever music it is or sound and sound. Um, and you just pull that in right here. <clears throat> yeah, you just find what other, whatever audio file you want to use. I think it supports WAV and MP3 and all the standards. And you have some properties you can change. How, you, how the compression level and the sample rate and all that good stuff right there. So to play music... You just call audio play sound and you pass in that the name of the sound file like here music title and uh, set the priority. I really haven't gotten into the priority. I guess after you get so many sounds playing if one needs to play over another one then it can make that decision and then how many times you want it to loop. I think you set it to like zero or negative one to keep it looping like background music. Um, but if you just want a sound effect to play one time, then just put one right there. And, oh, here's a, here's one specific to Game Maker, I believe. So, like, say you're on the title screen, you're playing your, your title theme, and then you call Go To Next Room to start your game. If you do an audio play sound on your next room, or kind of like a, a room is kind of like a scene in Unity, uh, then it will continue to play the title theme. So you got to be sure to call audio stop all first before, before playing um, a new background sound. Unless for some reason you want to play them both at the same time. But um, Yeah, so collisions. There's a built-in collision event. Um, walls add collision. I'm not sure what I was going for here. But... Uh, yeah, beware there's a collision event and just set the HP and V speed to zero. That may be what was having problems getting stuck in the wall. Sometimes you only want to stop the H speed. Now there is a concept in here of a solid object. So for like my bushes right here, I have this solid value checked. And I think that will prevent some objects from moving into it. 
Um, it, I think if it's also a solid object, because I know right now my blob can move through anything, which I need to change. It's probably because it's not checked as solid. They do have to have a collision event defined, even if it's blank. Oh, really? Yeah, for two solid objects to... Oh, I didn't know that. That, that might be why I was having problems. Because sometimes I had it checked as solid and the other one was going through. I was like, what's going on here? So it's got to have a collision event defined, even if it's not even filled out. Yeah, just so the game is checking for it. I got you. That makes sense. Well, they don't have to do anything when they collide. It can just be the... Like the wall, but... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That will definitely help me. <laughs> uh, clean for the, that's the built-in collision detection. Yeah. Yeah. The built-in collision is actually pretty good. I haven't had many problems with it. It's just not pixel perfect, so a lot of people don't use it for very long. Because if you have sprites that aren't perfect shapes, then you can get stuff hung up and caught on edges. Yeah. Especially yeah. animated sprites. I think I've seen that happen before in some... like. Uh, some uh, platformers, 2D side-scrolling platformers, and you just hold and you get stuck in a wall. And <laughs> yeah, sure. most most games move on to like a uh, future detection collision system, where it's checking where the sprite is one frame in the future from now. Oh yeah, and then that way, if if you move that way, it will stop itself before the collision has happened and move as many pixels as possible to where the collection is at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. That way you're just like flush up against the wall instead of like two or three pixels into the wall. Yeah. yeah. But it also takes time to write something like that, so most jams and just use the built-in stuff in GameMaker. Yeah. But I guess if like you're releasing something on Steam or something, yeah, then you want to make sure you got the... You do the go the extra mile and do the pixel perfect collision there. Um, one other thing that I use quite a bit is like a random value. So to get a random value in GameMaker, you can call random. I think it just takes one parameter, mm -hmm. and that will give you a number between. Like if you pass an n, it'll give you a random float between zero and n. So to get a minimum for that you just have to add the minimum value to that and then subtract off that minimum value from your maximum in there. And then if you need a random number from uh, uh, the set of random numbers, then you just use I random uh, to get a random uh, integer instead of a float. Now, the random float may be from zero to one, I can't remember. I don't know in my code where I use it. So if it gives you a value, a float from zero to one, then you just gotta multiply that by the maximum value that you want. So if you want a random float between uh, zero and 42, you just do random uh, and then multiply that by 42. I can't remember if it does zero to one or not. Um, so if you're doing random stuff, then if you don't call randomize at the beginning of your game, then you're going to get the same exact patterns and, and uh, uh, enemy behavior and everything else. It's all going to be the same. Uh, so if you want to mix things up a little bit, get a true random value, then you got to call randomize. 
at the beginning. Otherwise, you're going to get that same random seed, and most of the stuff, it will give you the same set of random values every time. Now, that can be helpful in some cases if you're, like, debugging and you do need the same, like, random sequence of values, then you can, like, set that. And you may be able to pass in your own seed as well. I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so, yeah, I, I forget where I had that in the game. I know, like, somewhere really close at the beginning. I just call randomize, and that mixes it up. Okay. Um, so I talked about depth, if you want to draw one sprite in front of another one. I know they have, like, a default depth value for these layers. So, like, here's the depth of 10, for instances, and the walls. Boy, this is slow. The walls has a different depth, and it gets kind of tricky when you start mucking around with these you can like turn off the lock and sometimes it wants to set them all and sometimes it just wants to set one um i forgot in my code where i handle that it might be in player object maybe it's in blob draw mm, yeah i can't remember where i set that but you can con control the depth yourself okay uh higher depth values is a lower priority so the things with the lower depth value get drawn in front of things with higher depth value um talked about changing the object sprite uh, watch it yeah talked about that viewports so i think this may be game maker 2 specific but it has a concept of cameras and viewports which you can set down here in the lower left hand corner and actually have multiple viewports uh, capturing different things at the same time but i typically just stick with uh one viewport and that's what i use to uh, uh, do the scrolling and everything let's see here yes viewports and cameras so right here under viewport zero i can change like the width so if i only want it 200 then i can change the width to be really skinny right there well, let's set that back to 1280 and you can you can also move it around viewport properties so if i want it in the next frame just set that to 1280 and that should i don't know why it's not doing it right there but you can uh change the x and y positionings of the viewport and you can also have it where you set these boundaries so it follows an object around and once that object hits one of those boundaries in the viewport then it'll start scrolling with the object so if you want some simple like camera follow without writing a lot of code you can just set your object right there but that really didn't work for this game because it's kind of hard to see things that were coming in front so i kind of just handled that myself um, yeah you can manually set the posi camera position using camera underscore set underscore view underscore pos and then you pass in the camera by default default camera is view underscore camera zero and then you just pa pass in the x and y position of where you want the camera to be um i don't know what i was what this note was problem with shading sprites light effect appears oh yeah so when you're flipping sprites uh i've been using a program it's pretty go good it's called asprite see where my steam is right here asprite I've never been really a fan of pixel art, but I'm starting to get better with it. But uh, let's pick Sprite Red, Spider Red. It has a pretty good uh, tool in here for shading sprites. 
yeah, shading right there. You can pick three colors and it'll gradually make things lighter or darker. But the problem with shading sprites this way is when you flip the sprite, then the lighting's gonna be on the wrong side. It'll be on the opposite side. So you can get, get in this weird uh, case where some sprites were shaded on the left side and some were shaded on the right side. It just doesn't look visually appealing. So I haven't come up with a good solution for that. Uh, I don't know if you can, like we are kind of talking about a little bit earlier, like writing a shader to programmatically mm -hmm. shade it for you, or you could just make a separate sprite with it shaded on the other side. Um, so, I don't know. Okay, let's close that. Yeah, m maybe in the future I could do a whole talk on Aspirite. Uh, and user events. So, I was talking a little bit about this earlier, but there are a concept if you have some custom code that you want to run on an image so, or on an object. So, I have like level manager here, and I have a user event. User, and you can't give it uh, a unique name. You just have like user event zero, user event one. You can like specify, give it a description, but um, yeah, so this is for, I think this is for spawning enemies. So I just want to like call this whenever I spawn enemies and set the current room. Um, so you actually call those user events with event user then pass in that number, I think it's from one to eight on that event that you want to call on that object. Because without user events, you're kind of stuck in these predefined events that an object has, like your draw and your step and begin step in step. You do have a concept. I don't use alarms very much anymore, but that's another way to call some custom code based on a timer that counts down. Uh, but if you do have some code, that doesn't fit one of those categories and you can put that in a user event um, and then uh, as I mentioned earlier you also have scripts that you can call as well and you just go here and you can create a script and just start typing in there I'm not exactly sure how you call, call a custom script there though but yeah that's basically all I had for my game maker tips uh, Joe, did you have any neat tips you want to share? I could add uh, for the depth thing. I usually keep the depth that my player is on as depth zero. Okay. So then anything away from zero as a positive number means it's behind the player. Oh, okay. One, two, three, four, five, a hundred, a thousand. That's all behind the player. And then anything negative, one, two, three, negative a hundred, negative a thousand will be in front of the player. Oh, okay. I, I had I was about to ask because I remember I was trying negative numbers for depth, and I didn't know if those were allowed or not. Yeah, it goes all the way to a million. So, oh, okay. I usually use the, the idea of layers is that like I'll have the player on zero, and then I might have enemies on like ten, so they're behind the player. But other enemies, I might be at like eleven or twelve or thirteen to kind of keep track of it, or blocks or something. And then other stuff I'll bring up to like negative 10, negative 100, and then I'll tweak them from there. So I might have a 101 or a 102 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it can get kind of confusing keeping all those depth values straight. But yeah, I noticed it is very important to like 
to make it visually appealing because like if you have something above one object like in the y plane you want to make sure it's at a at a lower depth that mm -hmm. way it's not like trying being drawn on top of like the player when it's really yeah. supposed to be behind really tricky um another thing i do a lot in most of my projects is i create an object uh for the mouse Okay. And I just set the in the step event of that object, I set its x and y to be the mouse x and mouse y oh, okay. at all times. That way and you then, can just reference it without like having to call functions. And you can use the object like you would like with collisions and stuff to be able to find out if the mouse is hovered or um when that when you click the mouse, you can use the mouse object mm -hmm. to do a collision detection on what all it just clicked on mm -hmm. and and do a depth sorting to get only the highest depth negative number mm -hmm. so that when they click because right now default in game maker when you click it will click on every object that the is under the mouse at that moment in time yeah. there's nothing built in to, to tell it that you only want the top thing uh, and then another thing you can do with that is to do the object following in the view Mm -hmm. on the mouse object oh and that gives you like a painting camera where you just mouse over to the edge oh, kind of like how it works in rts games now i have one question about the mouse because i haven't done any mouse interaction in game maker so i know you've deployed games on tablets like android mm -hmm. devices so does that correlate directly to a, a player player push for uh, tablet yeah, so click the left click event is detected as a single touch. Mm -hmm. The game maker also lets you. It has the whole library of gestures if you want to do swipes and uh, double touch. I think two finger touch is detected as a right click. Okay. So if you're using the mouse and you want to convert your project to tablet, you can do that. But a lot of times it's better to have like a separate mobile version of your project where you do change things uh, for gesture control, especially if you want to have stuff like uh, pinch and zoom. Oh, yeah. Um, Multi-touch, yeah, three, four finger touch. Because uh, the other thing that happens with the mouse is you can only detect uh, left click, right click, middle click. Yeah. So you three points of things to detect, but with Android and iOS, you can do up to 10 screen inputs at once. Oh, okay. So uh -huh. if you're doing that, then you'd need to handle like that code itself. But that sounds very similar to Unity, where it's like, yeah. okay, a left mouse click relates directly to... Yeah, I mean, for doing your menus and stuff, it's fine. You don't have to change it over to, to gesture control, because it is, you expect single touch taps are kind of what's going on but if you want to take advantage of mobile controls for like uh built-in tap and hold or swiping is a big one swipe up swipe down yeah uh, without having to write your own thing to like detect where they click and where they let go of click mouse mm -hmm. click and mouse release to kind of figure out if they made a gesture yeah a swipe uh it's better to go into the the touch stuff than the mouse stuff. Yeah, you you can do it though. I mean, you can set up gesture controls with the mouse. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't know you could do that. So you're kind of like yeah, 
do the it's, gestures directly with the mouse. That's kind of like Windows 8 when they wanted everybody to swipe with their mouse. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just not natural, though, so yeah. I don't know of any games that actually use it. Yeah. Uh, but if you were just doing it for your own for testing, uh, if you're trying to to like have a build on the computer that's going to behave how it will on the tablet, mm-hmm. then you can you could do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, but to do an Android build, that requires an additional purchase from Yo-Yo Games, right? It's like it's like yeah. another $150 or something. I think it's like 400 actually. Whoa. Wow. It gets you Android and iOS. Oh, okay. So yes. Game Maker 2 bundled all the mobile together mm-hmm. in one module. I definitely uh, it, put put that on my uh, Steam wish list and wait for like a a, a meaty seventy five percent discount or something. The uh, mobile builds HTML five build or not mobile but HTML five is a separate module too for web GL builds if mm-hmm. you want to have it on like uh, itch.io or something playable. Yeah, I noticed on GM forty eight they now had like a category for web builds and I was like eh, I'm not going to buy the web exporter just for that. No, I I did because I I said I would back on a tweet a while ago with oh, uh, okay. I put Kufu's delivery service on sale yeah. in the summer sale, and I said if it sold a hundred bucks worth, I'd I'd buy the the web build for the with the hundred bucks. So I did it did so I did. So so <laughs> does it work very well or seems to I, it, there there seem to be some other things that I probably have to dive into a little bit more in depth, like with the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, some, the way I do the audio wasn't working as well. It wasn't controlling the volume like it does on windows and mobile. Yeah. Um, so some of my sound effects were coming through on the HTML five, like super loud. Cause I'm sure it's Uh, like all JavaScript under the hood whenever it gets converted into a web build. But for the, 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 I did do two the wait, wait for it. And I did the GM wrench. I did a web build. I think there's some other stuff to deal with with the uh, resolutions too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just making it look good mm-hmm. as HTML5. Yeah, I know with Unity is like the web build was like horrible for the longest time. Then they came out with like a new compiler, and now it's pretty good. But you can notice the difference in sound effects. It's like the sounds are more compressed for the web builds. I guess that's a good thing because you don't want people waiting forever for your game to load. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with it more with these jams and and kind of figure out some of the the quirks with Game Maker's web deployable. But I plan on using it. I'll at least do web versions for the stuff that I'm making now. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Any other tips or <laughs> tricks? Uh, I'd say a, a big one that I do as well. I'm pretty much in every project now. Is I make a room. That I just call initialize or room init, I-N-I-T. And in that room is where I will define global variables. So the the room initialize room exists, but all it does in its own create code is go to the next room. Mm -hmm. But I have it there because I know if I want to declare global values or variables and stuff, I can declare them there and they will be guaranteed to be executed before the main room comes into existence because there's some stuff with runtime with game maker where it just doesn't the order of operations for how it 
runs through stuff. Some it does. It's not always the same. Yeah, I've so. I've noticed that when I have like two different objects and each object has a step, is like, well, is this object step being called first or is this one being called first? You don't really know. It's, yeah. yeah, and it depends on which time it's running. Yeah, yeah. So using there's like, there's like a begin step and the end step, which I guess you can use to do uh, a little bit more control. Yeah, just having a a room that exists before it loads my title screen has oh. worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, just and that's where I'll set up any of my main game stuff, uh, whatever player variables, the score, the timers. I mean, I just get them all there, declared at zero, and they all exist. Yeah. Uh, before I start loading things into the game room. Yeah. Uh, and that way, I don't have as many non-defined errors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. Yeah. I, I, I hate those undefined errors. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm good to go. Press play. Oh, crap. <laughs> it's like I misspelled something. Or I've never been much for doing tutorials on like how I've done stuff in Game Maker in the past. Yeah. But if anybody ever encounters something in one of my games and they're curious, yeah. if you ask me, I'll I'll post it. Like I don't how I've done the drag and drop in like Kufus or how any of the things work with my grids or. I've yeah. done a lot of stuff in Game Maker, a lot of game genres just on my own because I'm curious about how they work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing. If anybody yeah. wants any, to just see something from one of my games, you go, how did you do that? I'll, I'll post the code. Yeah, I may be interested in your pathfinding algorithm because I'm getting into that with my game, my blob game. It's like, oh, okay, I don't want them get, it's kind of like part of the AI thing. It's like, oh, I don't want them get, getting stuck behind a wall or something, so I'm going to have to figure out some pathfinding there but i think it's going to be kind of easy because my room is made up of grids so i just mm-hmm. need to find a path with the grid and it isn't like a real time p- pixel perfect path some a star pathfinding yeah, yeah. <laughs> find all the routes and then pick the most efficient yeah that's going to be so slow <laughs> very cool well uh any anything else going on joe um, I did get some artwork. I, I haven't done anything with it yet. Yeah, because you said you, you got somebody that you're kind of buying art from or they're supposed to, like, on commission or something. Or... Yeah, I could share the deliverable. This, oh, that's cool. It looks like that. Oh, that's very so, cool. Uh, it's, it's for the strategy RPG that mm-hmm. I'm working on. And what, what I had started with... Um, I don't know if you how Gmail works these days to find, but um, it was nope. I don't even have it here. But it was I had a a sprite like an eight directional RPG maker sprite, and mm-hmm. I wanted them to make me the larger battler for that sprite. Mm-hmm. So like the the game the strategy RPG that I'm working on is. Um, this one. Have you came up with a name for it yet, or no? Okay. How how the player is going to interact with enemies on this screen, mm-hmm. where they'll move their person next to the other enemy and attack them. It's going to bring up like a a window that's going to show the animation of the attack happen, kind of like. Uh, Fire Emblem or Shining Force. Mm-hmm. 
which I haven't coded that part yet, but I've done some mockups, which, uh, let's see. Kind of look like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's cool. And that's where the, the player sprite here is mm -hmm. going to go there. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and animate and have like a, a flash and a effect that'll show the like the slime taking damage. So like, <laughs> so when you collide with an enemy, like on the overworld view, then it'll take you into this battle screen. Is that right? It's going to kind of pop up in a window um, on the screen. So you'll be on this screen where you're, you're moving the units around mm -hmm. and then you'll move next to a unit and, and choose to attack them. Ah, I got you. I don't think I, I haven't made anything that actually works that in depth yet. Uh, I do have screenshots from games that show what what it kind of what I was the effect I'm going for. That's from Shining Force. Okay. Yeah, I've never then, played Shining Force. Was that a that, Genesis game or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have Genesis. Um. That's yeah, and it's. I'm hoping I'm going to make it look good because I know... So what I had them commissioned for me was only three um, animation frames because it was like $10 per animation frame. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, uh, I think it is good that you define those parameters up front because I remember working with some artists before and it was like, oh, we're not sure what we're doing and who's getting what. And <laughs> Yeah, we worked out who how I'll credit them and the game and, and what I can use it for and not use it for. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of we, we hashed out an agreement um, yeah it's good to get that up front it's like expectations and yeah I, I really need to work on it more so that I can show exactly how the attack animation is going to work because I'm, I'm hoping it will will look good I think I had some stuff on Twitter so are, are you going to have it where the character kind of jumps over to the enemy enemy and like swipes or is this going to be like, oh, they're just going to yeah, I, I was going to just have them attack and then I was going to do some screen effects to kind of show it. Oh, gotcha. Like so a it's slash like, and a slash, on, like a, the old JRPGs, how they do it. That's what I was about to say, Final yeah. Fantasy style. Yeah, so I, had, I have movement working. Uh, I just didn't have attacking. So right there where you hit attack, mm -hmm. that's when it would bring up the window that would show her... Um, the battle screen. Yeah. Well, I haven't done it. And I think this looks like this would <clears throat> port over to mobile very easily. Yeah, I, I haven't figured out exactly what all I'm going to do with this one. It's it's a bit more of a ambitious of a game than what I've done in the past. That's mm -hmm. actually got a story written and kind of still working on how it's going to work all together. Yeah, that's my that's, weak point is writing stories and things like that. I just I just want to do the game engine. <laughs> my, my game maker games too. That this is what they look like. That's that's my that's actually my force my tactics strategy game yeah that's that's it oh. that's my room <laughs> oh that's it right there just a yeah, blank screw everything else is done with the code yeah I, I create everything uh into the room with within code 
I was uh, thinking I about taking that route with my blob game there. It's like, okay, I just really need like four rooms to do the scrolling. Then I can instantiate like all the bushes and the walls. Because I'm already doing the enemies. I'm instantiating those in real time or whenever you move to the next room. Now, now if I just instantiate the bushes and walls, then I only need like four rooms. Yeah, it's just how I've started doing my my games. I just I like the control of creating it in the code rather than placing the objects in the room. Yeah. Um, just because then I I know I can define that I want them created at you know width room width divided by two. Yeah. It's the exact middle, not like dealing with little pixels here and there yeah because i know like now i'm having to like get offsets for whatever room that i'm in it's like oh if you're in room 32 then you mod by the number of rooms in the world and add this offset and i was like oh boy so i may look at your approach there <laughs> clean up some of my code yeah i did uh i think i i made the script for this um and this block of code here is it's i actually made it back when i did that reflex mirror grid game where you're like reflecting the mirror around the room mm -hmm. uh it's a pretty handy bit of code to to create a grid in your room no mm -hmm. matter what room size you're dealing with yeah uh and what i what i end up creating is is a set of invisible squares mm-hmm but I can show them here. Oh, wow. So when I when I debug it, I, I have all of the it's just a it's an object grid that's invisible normally. Mm -hmm. And it lets me define the room how I want it like afterward. Mm -hmm. Which in, in this case, if I have here where if the global map is one, so if it's drawing this first room, mm -hmm. then it's gonna pick out where so the room itself that's the the picture it's just a picture yeah yeah the, uh, the background mm -hmm. it's a uh, i made it in tiled a different oh, okay. program that's another uh, thing i was going to look at into is like a tiled importer i know there's got to be a tiled importer for game maker so that oh, might yeah. be that might be a better option like for, especially i like for, tiled a lot better for doing the actual sprite work with tiles because uh, i, I I was just amazed like how much slowdown I got just in my little game world that I have. Uh, I don't know how many objects I have in there, but just like dragging a new one in now is so slow. So I think I'm going to have to do like instantiate yeah. my objects per room programmatically. One thing for your game too is you could make some bigger wall objects so they're not instead of comprised of like 20 or 40 little ones. Yeah. You could do some like 2 by 8s or Oh yeah, uh, one by because it's it then it still works the same with the properties, but it's not as many instances. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll look into that. Um, the the thing that I noticed is like even when I have a lot of enemies and because when I first did it, I was like I instantiated all the enemies in the whole world at the same time, and even with all the little tree and bushes and everything, um, the game actually ran smooth. It's just. Um, the editor ran slow. Now I'm wondering like if there's a bunch of enemies and logic and that's not currently focused in on the camera in the camera's view, I'm wondering if it just doesn't execute like the step methods on all those, or maybe I just didn't have enough created yet. I don't know. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think things like bushes, they really don't have AI or walls. They don't have AI anyway. They're, they just d- detect collision. So yeah. there's not go- much going on with those anyway. I have a, a lot more complicated stuff going on with, with this project, which is something I still kind of am working on on the side too, but I haven't been doing much with it lately. Oh, this was the pathfinding like SimCity type thing. Yeah, working in, in isometric in general with yeah. uh, just working in a, a room where X and Y don't mean as much. Yeah. Kind of develop your own things to keep on the path there but it's uh it's it's working and i've i've got a whole set of things that i do in this um project here to to figure out how things do and where they need to move oh yeah i use i use a lot of uh, point and triangle oh, i've never to, used that method before to draw triangles on the screen mm-hmm. uh, and define them like where they're going to be at to make isometric. I don't normally like a, a 90 degree triangle would, or yeah, would be a three perfect right <laughs> angle triangle or whatever. Yeah. Right angle. Um, but well, uh, what I do a lot with this one is, is the, uh, 45 and, and 145. So I'm still trying to make a shape that makes sense for a collision, but I need it to be, between points um, that aren't like yeah. uh, what I do is I, I grab the the point from like here uh, here and here oh okay that kind of triangle and then I'll grab the same point from here here and here mm-hmm that gives me a, a rectangle that is from here, 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 and here. Uh, like a, a collision parallelogram. Yeah, so you got to do two triangles to get a rectangle, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And, but I, yeah, I need it to be skewed at the same angle that my whole room is yeah. for the isometric. Yeah, I haven't seen too many isometric game maker games. It, like you're showing either. there, it definitely takes a lot more... <laughs> More programming. Yeah, it's it's still and and having the stuff where they let's see get one going. I like the meters you have there. They they stay yeah. nice and they they're not like anti aliased or aliased and the, the text is very clear. That's what I wanted to add to my game is like uh, meters. I want to add meters so like whenever the blob eats a power up, then he only gets to power up for like maybe 20 seconds and have a meter show the power going down yeah the meters uh they're they're not too bad i use a sprite uh for the the bar mm-hmm. oh, okay. I, don't think, I don't think i actually use that one anymore i use this one. Oh, okay and us mm-hmm. and a outline gotcha. for this and then what i do is draw the mm, let's see i use mine backwards from yours i keep the objects on the left and the rooms on the right yeah Uh, i think i just took whatever was the default or somehow (laughs) i don't know how that happened 
So the, the bar, I draw the uh, the outline first, mm -hmm. and in this case, they're 60 pixels, so I do everything divided by 60, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And then I draw the bar, and I use this draw sprite part. Oh. To start from the, uh, you can tell it to draw things like cropped. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, need, so, I needed this method right here because uh, those groundhogs in my game, I wanted to like have it like whack-a-mole where they kind of go down. So I need to like clip those sprites in a way, and I didn't know what the name of the function was. So Yeah, draw spart part, and I draw from the left the origin, zero, zero, mm -hmm. and then zero, and then I, I do some math to figure out the percent of the bar that it should be from what it is now divided by its total, uh, and then I... Divide or yeah, I don't know what I do there, but yeah, it looks like my code is like oh, I don't yeah, know what I did there, but it works. <laughs> well, converting gonna... it to a percent, yeah, so yeah. that way when it's actually drawing the bar, uh, it figures out how much it should be filled in in real time instead of having like different areas of the bar or have the sprite drawn. Yeah, I don't think I even used the other colors. I had. Uh, I think on there, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. XP and HP. So did you create different bars for the different colors, or did you use some programming I, magic? I mean, I just used the same sprite, and I colored it red and green. Yeah. Yeah, and whichever one I... Uh, these have some funny... The way these uh, sprites work for being on top of each other... Yeah. Ended up having to do some some math with those as well hmm. and cutting them off in different areas for how to figure out uh, isometrically whether they should be in front of or behind like as the little people this go. reminds me of Marble Madness I remember that was like one of the <laughs> first isometric games for the NES and it's was like wow this isn't like straight on it's kind of like at an angle yeah that's a little bit more to figure out the depth when you're dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I do is I start way down here at the bottom of the room, yeah. and I assign that to be depth zero, and then everything else gets drawn at depth uh, equals negative Y. Oh, okay. So uh, the higher up the screen it is, the further back it is. The higher, that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of like my game. looks like it should do that by default, it's like based on the height. But I guess there's some cases yeah. where... You wouldn't want that to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I do the same thing in this uh, project, too, where I have the room init, and it does all of my variable declare stuff is in here. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's your init method? Yeah. So is that a function on room, or...? No, I just so I make that my room. It's my first. Oh, that's room. your room. Okay, got you. Yeah, but it and then that's it runs through all this code and then it goes to the next room. Okay, so you can a actually attach code to a room. I have never done that before. Yeah, in the properties, right below where you do the, the right above where the views are. Yeah. Oh, creation you, code. Creation code. It's oh, the room. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. This was the first game I did, too, where I had uh, zooming. I hadn't really messed with zooming too much, but I did here with the 
it looks very responsive and that's the scroll wheel i can't see me scrolling the wheel yeah. but seems very solid now i wonder if the scroll wheel, wheel equates to like a zoom in a pinch or a uh, zoom out on a tablet it doesn't oh it doesn't so that's right now that's why i added those buttons yeah uh, so the scroll wheel works for zooming on Windows and Mac, and I assume Linux. So I didn't try, but yeah. uh, but then when I put this over on mobile, I have to use the plus and minus. Yeah, uh, I've looked at how the pinch and there is um, functions for that built in mm -hmm. with gesture. Oh, uh, I didn't. Uh, I haven't out. even seen gesture right there. Yeah, pinch yeah. start pinch. But I, I haven't actually tested it out yet so yeah i know they're here that's probably what i'll have to do mm. for the zoom but the other thing with my zoom is it's not um a hundred percent it's not like it, it can't zoom to any set of values mm -hmm. i i predefine uh what i want the zoom levels to be oh okay um, so you just go between those different levels. You're not. Yeah. So it's really there's like nine settings that it can be. Yeah. Um, for how it draws the viewport in relation to the. Yeah. Whatever the window, but I, I'm not sure exactly if if I can set it up to be completely freeform. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to keep the X and Ys mathematically sound with the whole numbers let's so step it up from 768 to 840 to 960 to 1080 yeah some, yeah sometimes it's better just to lock those down it's like yeah just give the player kind of like in racing games you got like the four different you got the end car view you got the behind car view then you got the overhead type view sometimes it's better just to lock it down to keep people players from like trying to like fiddle around with the view settings too much yeah uh yeah um, that's all i got for game maker tips i guess <laughs> oh okay well it sounds yeah. good yeah i learned some stuff today definitely and hopefully other people out there did too oh hey macy uh thanks for hanging in there with us uh, did you have anything else you'd like to share or anything not really or nothing that i'm comfortable sharing oh in that's okay we appreciate you joining we're always trying to get new people on but it's just kind of hard getting the word out about our group and getting new people to, do you have like a, a social media or a website you want to promote or anything not yet okay that's fine yeah whenever you have something you'd like to show you're welcome to join us and uh of course we always have show and tell for anyone that wants to show anything we appreciate it. up this next month. Okay, it sounds good. Yeah, we're here every second Tuesday of every month. Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, second Sunday, sorry. Okay. So, Joe, do you have anything else? Uh, no. Okay, yeah, be sure to check out Joe Miller, double square Joe, LLC.com yeah. is his website. And double, no, you're double square LLC.com. And your social media is Double Square Joe. Check out yeah. Kufu's del delivery service on Steam. Um, I'm Levi Smith. Check out LeviDSmith.com for my game projects. And I'm GA Tech Grad on social media. So we appreciate everyone out there who's been following us and uh, listening to the podcast on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, look up Knox Game Design. You should be able to find all of our episodes. 
there. We're also on Stitcher and the Google, Google Play Store as well. Um, also be sure to check out KnoxGameDesign.org for our website and you can sign up for the mailing list there and find out when our next meeting and next gathering it will be. So we appreciate everyone watching.